Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and this week we're taking a look at two superhero series that are currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video, Stargirl and The Boys. They're very different shows, but they're both interesting to explore in terms of gender and representation. Note that we'll be including minor spoilers. My guests are two US-based critics who are fabulous feminists as well as superhero experts. First up, May Abdul-Baki is a critic and entertainment writer who's written for The Washington Post, Inverse, Film School Rejects and more. She's also a member of the Washington DC Area Film Critics Association and the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Alison Shoemaker is a freelance film and television critic and she's a member of the Chicago Film Critics Association. Her work can be found at The AV Club, Comic Book Resources and at Consequence of Sound where she's a senior film and television writer. You can also hear on the podcast's TV Party, Debating Doctor Who and Podlander Drunkcast, an Outlander podcast. So welcome to my guests. Welcome to Alison Shoemaker. Thanks for joining Girls on Film. Thanks for having me. Tell me more about this Podlander drunk cast. I need to know about this. <laughs> a few years ago, a very good friend of mine and I decided that we were going to try to capture our experience of watching Outlander in front of a microphone. And it sort of became a whole thing. So if you enjoy the series Outlander and you also like a pint, you can listen and drink along. Well, this is a Prime Video special, so that works rather well. So people can watch that on Prime Video with a pint. That sounds quite appealing. And listen to you slightly tipsy conversation. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to May. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Where are you speaking to us from, by the way? I am near Washington, D.C., so I'm on the East Coast in the U.S. And how is it over there for you? It is okay. I mean, weather-wise, it's been raining a lot. It's kind of miserable, and, and there's just a lot going on here, obviously. So, you know, trying to just get through every day and have some sort of positive spin on life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very strange times. Thank you for joining us to talk about fun distractions, yes. <laughs> such as The Boys and Stargirl. Um, let's start with The Boys. The Boys is a darkly funny, very adult superhero series. It's set in a world where billions are made out of superhero franchising and where superheroes, or soups as they're called, literally get away with murder under the guise of saving the world. A team of vigilantes then takes them on. It might be called The Boys, but it's actually got some terrific female soups such as Starlight, played by Erin Moriarty, and Queen Maeve, played by Dominique McElligot. Lacing the shoes, I'm on the move, I got so much to prove. It's suicide to go after the soups. We can use help stuffing them. Excuse me. I'm sorry, are, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just having a bad day. It's a work thing. I'm supposed to be this hero idol symbol, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. 
she could help us. She's a soup, just on the rest of them. You're wrong about her. Just remember who your friends and who your enemies are. They just declared war. Now, I must say, Alison, I thought a series called The Boys wouldn't have much to offer girls on film. But when I watched it, I discovered I was actually wrong. There's some really interesting female characters in this. Um, what appealed to you about the series when you first watched it? I just was very struck by the tone and um, the show's willingness, the series' willingness to sort of explore the underside of a lot of the big capitalist ideas that we encounter in our lives and in superhero narratives and in all sorts of things. And I think it does that particularly well when it comes to Aaron Moriarty's character, Annie Starlight, who I find incredibly compelling and really responded to in the first season. I think Maeve is an interesting character as well, but I am most struck by the arrival of Stormfront as played by Aya Cash from You're the Worst, who is just terrific. And I think that her arrival is, has inserted a very interesting, uh, distressing, compelling dynamic into the second series, which I'm very excited for people to see and talk about. So yes, May, the first few episodes of Series 2 have just hit Prime Video. What did you make of them? Are you equally excited about this development? I am really excited about it. I think whereas Season 1 really had this dark, gritty nature to it, Season 2 is more compelling in the fact that they're slowing down a little bit. They're focusing a lot more on the characters. Like, we've been introduced to this world already. So what is left of it? And I think that with regards to Starlight specifically, I think that she's really coming into her own a lot more. She's realizing a lot more of her power, what she can and can't do in the limits that she has right now. And I think that's really compelling to me. Like Allison already mentioned, she's already a compelling character and she had a lot to do in season one. And I think in season two, she's going even further in her storyline. And with regards to Stormfront, I think that representation is interesting because she comes off, to me anyway, like a faux feminist antagonist. And I think that's really important to see because so often we tend to see racism and bigotry from a male's perspective. And I think that that is interesting to have a woman have those same ideologies portrayed on screen. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, I, I, I think excited was, was my response actually when she came and I thought, yes, here we go, another kick-ass woman. And, and offering something a bit different, really, because she's quite the contrast to Starlight. More super terrorists will come. For all we know, these maniacs could be waiting for their chance to kill us all. Who the fuck are you? I'm just trying to help. Really? How? We are in a war, but we can fight back with an army of supermen, millions strong. Now, don't be a pussy. Laser my fucking tits. One, two, three, hit it! Alison, can you talk to me a little bit more about Starlight in season one? Because I was quite struck by the kind of Me Too era storyline um, when she's basically, she's got a new job and she's sexually harassed by her superior and she makes a kind of interesting decision to kind of give in in the interests of peace, which is very painful for her. Mm -hmm. I think that it's great to talk about this particular issue in this way, and I think The Boys does a great job of addressing it, because it's not a personal failing 
and they address this really well in the pilot, actually, in her first conversation with Huey. Um, it's not a personal failing to make a decision that perhaps you later regret. We never know what we'll do in a situation like this until we're confronted with the reality of it. And I think that her sort of journey to forgive herself, but to also allow herself to be angry and to experience what she's experienced and to work through that is really compelling and appropriately complex. It reminded me quite a lot, uh, and this is true of the second series as well with Becca. It reminded me a lot of some elements of the first series of Marvel's Jessica Jones, which I think did a great job of addressing rape culture. There are some echoes of that here, and I think Moriarty does fantastic work in sort of drawing out all the complexity there. May, talk to me about Elizabeth Shue as Stillwell in season one. Not only is she the boss, but she's also an older, new mother. Did you like that kind of aspect of her character? I did. I thought that she still toes the company line, but she is a woman in power who's kind of trying to balance her situation with regards to having that much power and managing the seven and dealing with Homelander and all of his issues and the fear that also comes with that and trying to temper him, but also dealing with a baby and having to take care of someone in her personal life and how often that line gets blurred with her work life and personal life. Like we see in one scene, Homelander just shows up where she's on her way to take the baby to a doctor's appointment. And as a woman, that can be really tough to manage because it is real life. And so often we do have to balance our work and personal life. But, you know, with whether it's social media or constantly being plugged in online, it's very difficult to do that. And I think that that representation is there with her character. I agree. And I think it's a bravo to the scriptwriters and the director as well and the performances that these scenes that we're talking about make a serious point about representation, but they're also really, really funny. Yeah, they're quite naughty as well, aren't they? There's some very funny scenes involving him sort of obsessing about her lactating <laughs> and eroticizing it. And it's all, it's all pretty dark, funny stuff. Continuing the sort of conversation about representation, Alison, what do you think about the bisexual storyline for Queen Maeve? I am a bisexual woman. So anytime that we get bisexual representation on screen and it's not about the experience of the men around the woman in question, I'm always excited. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they move forward with that story in series two. There's some sort of promising threads already at work there. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to going further down that path. I think Dominique Miguelliet is really excellent. And I'm interested in how her dynamic with, oh goodness, I'm not remembering her girlfriend's name her ex's name. Elena? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in, in that relationship and how it's shifting and also in the continuing altering environment of her relationship with Homelander. Yeah, I think it's really promising. I'm quite excited to see how they develop that. Mm -hmm. I miss you. You don't get to say that to me. Leave, please. Elena, I haven't seen you in years. Wouldn't it be nice? I see you every day, every time I walk through Times Square or turn on the fucking TV. I'm out of your life. You never left mine. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean... I don't want your apology, okay? I want you to get out. Go back to Homelander.
Now, May, talk to me about um, Karen Fukuhara as Kimiko or the female. What do you think of her as a character? I really liked that she's essentially this angry person. She comes from a background where she had a rough childhood and her whole village was destroyed. And she's coming from the perspective of essentially wanting revenge or she was essentially a prisoner in season one. And in season two, I think she grows beyond that and she's learning to communicate better and evolve into a person who has maybe a better understanding of the world that she's in. It's a little bit frustrating in the sense that because she cannot verbally communicate, the boys clearly have an issue understanding where she's coming from and that sort of hinders a little bit of her development. But at the same time, I think that she's she has so much emotion uh, going on there. And in series two, we, we know that uh, her brother is introduced into the storyline and we really get to see that aspect of her life. And I really appreciated that because it sort of gives us a more three-dimensional look at her character. Yeah, I like how they're developing her. I think that's definitely important. Now, Alison, we're talking about the female characters here, but of course there are a lot of boys in the boys. Do you think there are any allies to feminists or allies to women amongst the male um, cast members <laughs> well i can't speak to um to the actors obviously <laughs> the characters yeah <laughs> yeah i do think um that even our heroes stumble a bit and i love seeing that explored nice guys in quotation marks there um are sometimes really nice and Stormfront, who is, you know, maybe not a role model, makes a couple of decent points, one of which is that the confusion between nice and good is something that's not particularly valuable in our society. So I appreciate that the show is willing to hold characters like Huey a little bit accountable, um, while also allowing us to care about them and engage with them. But by and large, not a group of men that are particularly feminist, either in practice or um in the way that they speak about women no i would agree with that uh, yes uh, <laughs> Bill butcher definitely not no. yeah huey's as you say they explore that you know i guess he probably thinks he's more of an ally than he actually is and explores that contradiction sometimes and exactly. his own learning process really which is important mm-hmm. finally may talk to me a little bit about um other types of representation i mean there's an interesting scene where there's a blind proposed new member the sort of publicist puts forward and the rather evil Homelander shoots down. What did you think about that? Well, I was really upset that he he shoots him down, but I think that it's interesting in the sense that the show's trying to, you know, like in, in reality, we have a push for more diversity and representation. And I think that is exactly what The Seven is trying to do in the show. And by bringing on someone who's blind or having a certain amount of of women on the team kind of hits their points. But at the same time, you can see that Homelander is is not a fan of trying to make it more diverse in general. But it is good that they're at least trying to do that, at least to uphold what people think of them on the outside. Because it's all about appearances on the boys. And I think that that really shows up in instances like that. And then when, not too many spoilers, but in the scene where Homelander really talks to Maeve about her and Elena and kind of how upset he is, but also how he uses that as a weapon. So there is a lot of talk about wanting more representation, but at the same time, they're really holding back. Yeah, the fact that one of the most 
evil elements of the bad guy is his resistance to that is very interesting. Is there anything else that either of you would like to address or speak about with regards to the boys before we move on? I did want to talk a little bit about Becca. Alison mentioned her earlier and I really like that because in season one, she is put on a pedestal. She's sort of the reason for Butcher's mission. And in the second season, she really sort of comes into her own as a person and she becomes a fully realized person. She has wants and desires and needs and not someone who's just about Butcher's mission. She's a person. And I think that that's really well portrayed, especially in the forthcoming episodes. Excellent. So forthcoming. Okay, you're so you're ahead of us, are you? <laughs> <laughs> nice work. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> on to a much less violent and family-friendly superhero saga that's also on Prime Video, the DC series Stargirl, starring Breck Bassinger. After moving to a new town with her mum and stepdad, the high school student discovers that her biological father was part of the renowned Justice League as a superhero. She inherits his cosmic staff and finds out that her new stepdad was his old sidekick. She finds purpose in a mission to avenge his killers, the Injustice League. Starman, are you there? Starman! The Justice Society must live on. Someone with honor must carry the torch. I know this has been difficult. The move and a new stepfather, but we're gonna make a good life. Hey, sorry, that's just real delicate. Now, Alison, you wrote an interesting article for Rodrebert.com about Stargirl. Can you explain what you think is valuable about having a female-centric superhero in a family-friendly series? Yeah, I think that Stargirl has a lot to say to people of all ages and all genders, but I think to young people in particular about where heroes can come from. And this is an idea that's explored really well in the first series. I don't want to give too much away, but part of what launches it into its story is the idea that Stargirl has been sort of chosen as the heir to Starman because she believes herself to be his daughter. But as she goes to sort of create this new Justice Society of America, as she goes about getting together a group of people to help her fight this malevolent force within her town, she just looks for people who are going to want to help, who maybe are a legacy, as she terms one of the characters, but who otherwise maybe just find their way into heroism and who recognize the potential cost of that and are willing to do it anyway. I think that that's an incredibly important message. And Stargirl's approach to it, the tone that the show has overall, there's a lightness and a warmth and an approachability that makes it possible for them to dive into that kind of story in a way that feels very sort of amblin, very... E.T., very um, 80s family-friendly movie, which is wonderful. It's a really great vibe and I think uh, sort of the exact opposite of the boys in that regard, even though they sometimes explore similar issues in very different ways. I think that's especially true of Yolanda, who's my favorite character in the first season, who gets so much to do and has such an interesting, heartbreaking storyline that I don't want to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it. But Yolanda, who eventually becomes Wildcat, is a terrific character and I think an important one to follow. Uh, and I hope we'll be seeing a lot more of her when Stargirl returns. 
Me too. And I must say, Wildcat, if I was going to be a superhero, I think that would be my name. I think that's a great name. <laughs> it's I a great it. name. Wildcat. Really, I'm just thinking of my, my costume now. Yolanda, I'm talking to you. Who painted that? Was it you? No. You should have never dated Henry once you knew that I liked him. You are a nobody. I am a somebody, and I'm never going to let you forget that. Even your own family knows what you really are. Slut. I have to say, slut shaming is really damaging. Not to mention, it's had to run back like 50 years. Okay, well, nobody cares what you think, new girl. Okay, but really, I don't understand. Stop it. What? Don't you get it? You're only gonna make things worse for the both of us. Um, <laughs> May, what did you like about the character of Stargirl specifically? I loved her hopefulness. I think that we saw that from the very beginning and how passionate she was about helping people and, and how she even reached out to several of her teammates in a way that was very compassionate and compelling. Specifically with regards to Yolanda, you know, she had a storyline where she was being bullied at school and she was being slut shamed and Courtney was the one to kind of be there for her and support her and, and tell her that she was worthy of being someone and being a hero. And I think what's so great about Courtney as a person is that sense of light, that sense of no matter how bad things can get, things can always be worse, but also she wants to work to make things better. And I think that's really compelling in the sense that we don't often, you know, with superheroes especially, we have a lot of darkness. There's a lot of greediness there. There's a lot of trauma maybe. But with Stargirl, it's very different in that sense. And her hopefulness and her light makes her a very compelling character. I so agree. I think that's a really wonderful point. Thank you. Alison, I like the father-daughter relationship in this. And it strikes me that quite often, you know, you have a mother-daughter and father-son, but it's quite interesting to see the father-daughter dynamic developing. What did you make of it? Or rather stepfather, if you like, but that specific relationship. I think that's really key to the show's appeal. And it's not just because Luke Wilson is the most recognizable of the cast members at this point anyway, who knows what will happen moving forward. And he is really great and they're great together. They begin from a place that's a little bit antagonistic. Um, certainly on her part, she's not particularly interested. She is, doesn't want to get to know him. She doesn't want to become close to him. But as they connect over this experience that they have together and as he goes out of his way to respect her opinion, her decisions, her feelings, her history, her choices, you can see the trust build really gradually. And by the time we arrive at the end of this first series, I think you see the fruit of that. You see this really lovely, complex, affecting relationship that leaves the show in a very compelling place moving forward. And it just helps that they're so fun together that watching them is such a joy. Yeah, they have such great chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's such an affable kind of actor, isn't he, as well? And yeah, they do have wonderful chemistry. What are you? It's the cosmic staff. It's extremely temperamental. The staff's not supposed to work for anyone except Starman. This has to be the reason the staff lit up. The staff chose me, and I choose you. 
I never thought there'd be another star man. Stargirl. May, is there anything else um, you wanted to sort of champion with regards to Stargirl? I just wanted to say that it's just a phenomenal show, honestly. I personally wasn't expecting that much from it when I first started watching it, which, you know, after watching so many superhero shows is par for the course, right? But it was really surprising and engaging, and I love that it just centered not only women, but their friendships and their support of each other, and really had a great relationship with Courtney and her dad and Courtney and her mother without necessarily using pain for pushing forward a storyline because we tend to see so often you know a parent has to die for a superhero to become a superhero and that's very not much not the case that's a that's great a great point, point. <laughs> we agree there um yeah i really responded to the friendships in this series specifically between the young women and i think that's particularly true of Beth's storyline, Beth played by Angelica Washington, who's so incredibly charming. She's so likable. She's so engaging. And watching her navigate her very particular school experience uh, and find first one friend and then more friends is so gratifying. Now, to end this segment, I have a trivia question for you both, okay? <laughs> I'm going to surprise you with this one. It doesn't matter if you don't know it, but I'm intrigued to know if you do. So both The Boys and Stargirl have connections with one of my personal favourite childhood films, and that is Back to the Future 2. Do you know what two people connect these shows with Back to the Future 2? Oh, goodness, I don't. <laughs> I don't either. I've got no idea. Okay, all right, listeners, I'll give you a second to have a think. The answer is um, the boys' actor Elizabeth Shue, of course, played Jennifer in Back to the Future 2. Oh, that's um, she right. She replaced the original actress. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Leah Thompson, who played Marty's mother, Lorraine, directed an episode of Stargirl. Yes, she did. Oh, that's great. I would go. have never made that connection. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit obscure, but I'm a bit of a Back to the Future nut, so I got excited <laughs> when I discovered that one. So Eliana, who's working with us, um, told me about Leah Thompson. I was like, ooh, and then I started joining the dots. So, yeah. <laughs> right, to wrap up, are there any other films that you'd recommend at the moment that you've been watching? It can be classic, it can be new. May, I think you've been watching a classic, haven't you, lately? I have. I started watching several classics, but one of my favorites has been His Girl Friday, which is a 1940s film directed by Howard Hawks and starring Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. And it's just excellent. It's just fast talking. It's about this woman who realizes, you know, she comes back into town to basically quit her job and say goodbye to her ex. And he's trying to convince her to come back to the newspaper to keep writing. And it's just a lot of energy there's a lot going on. They have such a charming, strange, contentious relationship at several points in the film. But you can obviously tell that being a reporter is very near and dear to Hildy's heart. And I just love how the film conveys that. It's just so charming and so exciting. And, and it was a very entertaining watch. So I highly recommend. Excellent choice. And that's actually on Prime Video now. So people can watch that now in the UK. And I think um, your choice, Alison, is something that we're not currently able to see in the UK. And that's First Cow. Is that right? Tell us more about that. Yes. Yeah, please keep an eye out for that one when it arrives. And then I'm not sure what the release plan in the UK is, if it's going to be VOD or what. But Kelly Reichardt's First Cow is 
I think, just astonishing. It's one of the last movies that I saw in a theater, and it has really lived with me ever since. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. It centers on a very unusual friendship, a sort of chance friendship that chance brings these two people together and then eventually reunites them in a sort of homestead situation on a frontier and largely the plot moves around baking which is not something you see as a major plot point (laughs) but is just wonderful so I highly recommend that and like May I've also been revisiting a lot of classics I love His Girl Friday I'm so glad you watched that movie one that I checked in with recently is William Wyler's Roman Holiday which I hadn't seen in years and was afraid might not hold up the way that it does in my memory but it absolutely does if you've never seen Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn tooling around Rome on a little tiny motorcycle. She's getting a pixie haircut and they eat gelato and it's wonderful. Oh, I agree. Roman Holiday is absolutely so cold classic and particularly at the moment when most people aren't able to travel. It's wonderful to do that kind of archer travel into the past. Mm-hmm. And on the Kelly Reithart tip actually, um, Seventh Row have just published a new ebook, Roads to Nowhere, Kelly Reithart's Broken American Dreams, which I'm excited to read because I'm a big fan of her work. So look out for that. They're doing lots of um, books about female directors including Celine Siama another one of my favorites so good stuff well listen it's been such a joy to speak to you both thank you Alison and May um any final messages for the girls on film listeners hmm um watch plenty of films especially ones with a female perspective I mean watch Stargirl and the Boys they're great they're very entertaining but also thought-provoking which is sort of I think something we could all use at this particular moment Definitely. Well, um, it's been so nice to speak to you both. Thank you, May. Thank you, Alison. Thank you for being Girls on Film. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. You can watch Series 1 of Stargirl and The Boys on Prime Video, and there are new episodes of Series 2 of The Boys every Friday. There's also an after show called Prime Rewind Inside The Boys, presented by Aisha Tyler. You've been listening to Girls on Film. Thanks to Eliana J, who's joined the Girls on Film team. To executive producer Heather Archbold, to our producer Jane Long, our assistant producer Heather Dempsey, and our partners for this episode, Amazon Prime Video. Do follow us and message us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find the addresses in the episode description. Girls on Film has a Patreon page where you can give a small amount each month to support us, and you will also get some special treats in return. Go to patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast. Special shout out this week to four of our patrons, Filda Semlian, Anna Grigson, Claire Vaughan and Jessica Phillips. Please subscribe and review us if you've enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to check out our special film shows on the BFI's YouTube channel. Next up, we'll be covering the London Film Festival. We're planning audio episodes to celebrate new female-focused films and TV series all the time. And we will be marking Black History Month soon, so stay with us. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by May Abdulbaki and Alison Shoemaker. See you soon and stay safe, everyone. Just take it easy and you'll be fine. And be careful in the future. <laughs>